Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with writer, editor, and entrepreneur Michelle Barrard. She helps aspiring authors and business people who want to establish their thought leadership in their industries to get their message into the world. She educates intended audiences about the self-publishing process and how they can utilize their books to further their careers and develop a business. Her company, Urban Book Editor, is adept to understand urban culture and language of urban characters and possesses a firm grasp of standard grammar to provide superior service. She has great insights and stories. Enjoy this interview. Hi, how are you? Joe Domino, how are you? Very fine. Thank you, Joe, for calling. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Before we get into what you do specifically and kind of your history, I want to know how you did over these last two years with COVID. How how did that affect the way that you view the world or run your business and, and kind of operate as an author? Well, for me, um, the pandemic was not a bad time, per se. Um, started out the pandemic in California, where things were on very, very tight lockdown, and kind of decided, you know what, let me just go back to my home in Georgia, where at least we have a yard, and we have space to move around, and we're not kind of trapped in a small, you know, a small place in, in, and not able to use the gym and not able to use the pool and all of that stuff that goes with that. Um, so once we did that, you know, my son graduated from high school. We moved back to Georgia. It was really pretty fine from that perspective. There was a definite slowdown in business, but from a lifestyle perspective where a lot of people were really stressed out, I think things worked out pretty well for us because we did have that fallback position of the house in, house in Georgia. And also Georgia was, I'm going to say, less concerned with, <laughs> with, the, yeah. with, with the pandemic. It was, it was actually interesting driving east from the West Coast. The farther and farther east we got, the fewer and fewer masks we saw. And uh, yeah. we looked like the lunatics because we were wearing our masks and had Lysol wipes and all that for the drive. But, um, you know, we were, you know, we kind of kept to ourselves. Um, everything I do is online for the most part. I meet with people. I've been meeting with people via Zoom or via phone conference for years. So not much changed for me from that perspective, but there was a slowdown in business. So to get ultimate context on who you are and what you do, if somebody would just kind of come up to you and say, hey, what do you do? How would you kind of explain and encapsulate what you do? Mm -hmm. I would say that I help business people and coaches become thought leaders in their industries by producing books that people love and purchase. I love that idea coming more from the music world than anything else. I think there's a lot of people out there that, that have so much creativity. It's a hard way for them to rewire themselves to jump from that right to left brain quickly. And I think it's really good that there's people like you that are out there that can allow people and give them assistance to do things that may not seem so native, you know. I mean, do you ever think about that in the context of, you know, allowing their creativity to flourish because they don't have to worry about the business end of things, so to speak? Well, I think that it's actually a misunderstanding of what true business people are. 
true business people are problem solvers. And in order to be a good problem solver, you have to be creative already. They're just activating that creativity in that particular direction. So what we do with the writing programs and coaching that I do is really just encourage them to focus that energy in a slightly different way. But they're already extremely creative people. Yeah, and I wasn't downplaying it. I guess I was just thinking from that perspective where, you know, there's people that just can't navigate that. They can't get through those obstacles and see past it. It's, you know, there there tends to be not intentional but unintentional blinders that go into that. Well, yeah, but I think it's because of the way that we perceive business in this country. That's my my perception. We perceive business as you know, you're kind of number crunching, you're kind of doing systems, whatever. And I don't think that we really see it as the art that it is as well as the science of business, right? So because of that, I think a lot of business people themselves tend to kind of pigeonhole themselves as, no, I'm not creative in this way or what have you. But you find that they really are. But it's not even just the creativity. It's really partly a mindset piece where people have to start thinking a little differently to even push themselves to do something that's outside their comfort zone. And that's whether they're in business or in, you know, science or math or, you know, if they're digging ditches, it doesn't matter. What we, whatever it is that we're doing, we tend to get very comfortable with and we feel very competent there. And if we start focusing our energy in another area, we tend to get nervous feel like we can't do it and not realizing that all of those skills, all of that knowledge, all of that experience comes to bear on that new thing in a new and exciting way. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point with the pigeonholing. I know that I, I, my day job, I work in technology and IT, but I also do visual arts. I write myself and I do podcasting. There's different things. And I think people sometimes are like, how do you do all of that? And I think you get to a point where, you don't, you, you can't, you can't tell yourself and, and cut yourself off from certain things. You have to be open to it. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's that willingness to think differently, like Apple used to say, uh, that makes it yep. possible for you to expand in those areas. So talk to me a little bit about your history, um, your childhood, where you were born and raised, and kind of how you got to this point where you became a writer yourself and kind of took off and and started your own business? Well, I actually, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and not a whole lot of exciting stuff to say there, except New Orleans is a great city to grow up in. I think that it contributed more than I thought it did to my love of just serving people and talking with people. It, I didn't realize it really until in the last year or so. I've been really kind of thinking about my relationship with my hometown. I'm like, yeah, we have a unique way of interacting here, or at least we did when I was a kid. Um, grew up in New Orleans, um, did the typical stuff. If there was one thing that was different about me growing up, it was that my dad at the time uh, worked at IBM for many years, and so I was the first kid on my block with a computer. And I think that even though I thought it was just a giant paperweight (laughs) on a certain level, it did set me up for me moving through technology as my career. So I actually 
graduated with a degree in international relations with an emphasis on Latin America and the Caribbean. But that was because by the time I realized I love computers and technology, I just didn't have the money to stick around and shift gears. So I always found a way to grow a position around me so that I could get into technology, and that's how I started um, getting into things like software training and so forth. And I started doing technical writing and documentation as well as training, creating courses for the companies that I work for. And at some point, just as part of a, what would I say, need to have a creative outlet, I volunteered as a reviewer for a website called the Urban Book Source, and they would send me three or four books a month, and I would read the books and write reviews, and I found myself saying over and over and over again, edit, 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 and then finally I said, Michelle, maybe people aren't editing because they don't know how, they don't have the resources, what have you, and I started the company as part of the solution rather than just complaining. And I did that in 2012. Since then, I've helped authors in a number of genres, you know, everything ranging from uh, urban fiction or what's sometimes called street lit through memoir, self-help, spiritual, and so forth. So growing up, what was a book that really inspired you that you really came back to? Maybe part of the curtains for you that um, really made you think that might be something you want to do. So I had an obsession with poetry, actually. <laughs> and that, the, that is actually where I like to focus my writing for the most part is on poetry. But I was obsessed with um, with Edgar Allan Poe, actually. And so I had a collective work, a collected works of Edgar Allan Poe books that I might even still have to this day. I have books that I've been lugging around with me since I was a girl that um, my mom had given me. She used to insist that we read classics, American classics, as well as things like Shakespeare and stuff like that. So I love Edith Wharton. I love um, I love Shakespeare's work. My favorite was always King Lear. That was always my favorite uh, play of his. But really, it was the poetry that that struck me. And Edgar Allan Poe, in particular, he was a little dark, you know. And I loved that. So that's that's really what inspired me. I also could honestly say I know why the Cage Birds sing by Maya Angelou just. I think shifted my reality in so many ways to read this story of a Southern girl. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Oh, no, not at all. No, just to read that story that was so rich and so painful at the same time. You know, I guess in that vein there, you know, kind of connecting to things, you know, Sometimes we're only as good as those that we looked up, we look up to, and role models. Who would you consider those for you? Maybe a hero or a role model in your life? I think the women in my family are personal role models of mine. You know, their demonstration of love and their perseverance to the extent that they could through their challenges are personal role models um, for writing. I actually, I love the richness of Isabel Allende, 
the complexity of Gabriel Gar- Garcia Marquez. I love the storytelling of Maya Angelou. I love Alice Walker, her the way that she has a she's like politically informed in in her writing. There's so, so many. I could go on for yeah. days. You don't want me to yeah, do yeah, that. No, <laughs> no, no. You're good. You're good. And I guess I I can take that a step further. And I'm curious of anybody that's alive on the planet right now that you could meet. Who would you meet? Who would you want to talk to? Michelle Obama. That is by far the number one answer for that question. (laughs) Well, and I have a very particular reason, though. I don't know if it's the same as other people's. Everything that I have done for many, many years has been in service to rearing my children. Everything else has been in service to that job. I consider that to be my most important job, my best job, my favorite job. Now I'm an empty nester. It's a little bit challenging to redefine who you are as an empty nester once your kids leave, when you have that level of dedication to rearing them. But that was my most important job from where I sat for so far 30 years almost. And Michelle Obama is so smart and so talented, so charismatic, she could have run for president. And yet she made a choice at some point to put her career on the, you know, on the back burner and focus on her family. And that's, I, I can, I think that's amazing and brave and challenging. And I, that's really why, why her, because I really want to know how she navigated that and, and how that, worked in her life, you know, and what other people had to say and how does she deal with that and all the things that go with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally does. Yeah, I agree. What is it that you look forward to the most about your day job, about what you do for a living? What is it that motivates you when you wake up to think, man, this is why I do what I do and this is what I love about it? I believe that sharing our stories is how we get to know one another. And I believe that the reason that we have so much strife in this country and possibly around the world is because we don't know one another. We believe that we're very different when in reality we are much more similar than we think. And I think if we understood that, we would have more peace and more cooperation. And then that's why what I do, this is how I serve. This is one of the ways that I serve. Right? I believe that if I can help in my little corner of the world, that's why why I have my podcast. That's why it's important that people share their stories, in my opinion, because we can come to understand one another better. And through understanding, there'll be less fear. I think that's one of the marvels of this modern notion of podcasting that has been mm-hmm. really picking up steam and really allowed people to kind of open up a branch. I mean, not just people like us, but I think even... It's humanized even celebrities. I mean, as much as those podcasts aren't things that I listen to because I can only take so much, I hit a threshold, but I think they get to a point where they can kind of branch out and kind of humanize themselves because we have, I don't know, there's a level of us that is so mystified by that. But um, but anyway, I think it's really good. I think it helps with, 
human empathy, too, to understand where everybody's coming from and what's going on. Oh, 100%. And I also think it's a little selfish to hold back your story. I've come to believe that over time. At first, you know, I mean, I come from very private people. I mean, I didn't know that my grandmother had leukemia for until she after she died, basically until she got we, she went to the hospital and was dying in the hospital. Nobody knew. And that probably was a comfort to her, right? But for us, it was confusing. And why would she not share with us? And I think that we sometimes underestimate how important it is to share with those around us and sometimes, for many of us really, with the broader population, what our story is. Because, number one, it helps us to understand one another, but Number two, you never know whose life you're going to touch with your story. Very true. Um, so if you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger version, maybe in your early 20s, and you could give your younger version a piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout all these years, kind of the wisdom that you've gained, what would be the thing that you would tell your younger version? I would say that you're going to face some things that are potentially devastating to you. And you will become stronger because of them. And you will not feel like hearing that. And it will still be true. So let's say we we talk in five years from now and I ask you, what's going on? What are you going to be happy to tell me? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to saying that I helped a thousand writers share their stories that I helped my little corner of the world by helping people understand one another better that things are better here in the United States than people expected them to be and in some small way, my little pebble in the lake contributed to that. What's been the best fan letter you've ever received, feedback for your business? You know, I had somebody tell me once, when I, it, and the message came to me when I was really discouraged, actually. And the message was, I just want you to know you really do help people. And I needed to hear that because I wasn't feeling like I was making a lot of progress. And that has stuck with me. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, um, those that buy your books, but you ultimately live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm someone who tries to be good, doesn't always succeed. Someone who tries to be kind, doesn't always succeed. Who tries to live a good life and help people where I can. And I have a lot of flaws but I think the good outweighs the bad. 
I'm stronger than I thought I was. And, you know, I'm pretty good and I like that. I like who I am. I'm more than just the things that I do. And I think that's the thing. We're we're human beings, not human doings, as they say. And I think the most important part is who I'm being, and I think I'm trying to be the best person possible every single day working on improving myself, and that's what matters most. Okay, Michelle, if anybody wants to learn more about you, your services, your books, anything related to your world, where's the best place on the Internet for them to go? Well, they can go to either com. that's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-A-R-A-R-D.com. They can also go to urbanbookeditor.com. And they can also hear my podcast at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. The podcast is also available on Apple and all that other stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it's all over. Michelle, thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking some time out. Good luck with everything as we move forward. Thank you so much. And I want to tell you, I was listening to some of your shows, and you've had some wonderful guests and done some wonderful, wonderful, really inspiring interviews, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm sure you probably realize this, but sometimes – I feel like I'm operating in a vacuum, so when I hear that, it's, it's wonderful. I appreciate it. No, it's, it's a really great show. Thank you so much for sharing those voices. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Good luck with everything. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>